Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. moment to worship you, this moment and this reminder that you are good and you are God and you are so much stronger than anything that feels like a chain that's holding us down, God. And I just want to thank you as we move into this um, message and I'm asking that these words would fall where you want them to fall and that you would just allow each person in here to feel your presence this morning. Amen. Good morning, Hope Church. I thought about dressing up like Tom this morning for Halloween and wearing maybe like a Washington jersey or something, Um, but his team's really not that good this year, so (laughs) decided against it. Um, As you know, we've been going through a message series called Lessons from the Graveyard, and today we'll be wrapping that up, and I just wanted to do a quick recap for those of you who may have missed it or may be wondering, what on earth do you mean, Lessons from a Graveyard? And so it's really been this idea of allowing ourselves to learn from embracing the idea of death and, and recognizing what God wants to produce in us as we, as we look at that. And so we've been, most weeks, we've actually been doing our videos from uh, the graveyard, and we've done some video footage there and brought that to you. And today's a little different, um, but you may remember Tom started out by sharing a message called You Only Live Once. And he shared from the story of Solomon and um, really this idea that we, we look and we try all these things and we look at you know, our career and our relationships or we try to get wealth and we try to find meaning and purpose in all these things. And Tom reminded us that really we have to realize that our purpose ultimately comes from God and in focusing on eternity, not just here and now. And so he shared, you know, he asked, are we living in light of eternity? And then the next week, I shared about how it's, it's not too late. Sometimes we think about, um, you know, it's, we have this one life to live, and we can start to feel panicky, and we can start to feel like, well, what if I started too late? Or what if I started following God much later than other people? And what if I just don't have enough time to serve God and to do what he wants me to do? And how God is constantly using people wherever we are right in this moment. He is taking us, and he is redeeming our little yeses and our obedience to him. And it's never too late. And then last week, Tom shared a beautiful message about legacy and leaving a legacy. And he shared three things that we can kind of focus on in our lives uh, to create a legacy, which is that we focus on purpose. What is the purpose of our life? Where are we really going? What is the direction? And we also focus on presence, being present with those around us, being, being present in this moment to seeing what other people need from us and how we can love them well. And he also talked about praise and how praising God is part of this legacy that we, that we, um, not only what we give back to God, but it's a way that we leave a legacy for the generations behind us. And others see this praise in us, and it's such a powerful witness. And so, I feel like we've been learning all these lessons by walking through a graveyard, by focusing on death and what's happening at the end of our lives But if we're honest, if I'm honest, most of us don't really like to talk about death. 
most of us would rather avoid the graveyard altogether. That's why, you know, anything that feels uncomfortable to me, whether it's my kids asking where babies come from, or, you know, thinking about global warming, or thinking about wars and terrible things that are happening in the world, a lot of times I would just rather shut those out and not think about them, because I have this feeling that if I just avoid it, maybe I won't have to deal with it. Is that any of you out there? But this is sort of maybe like um, a coping skill we have, and I, and I don't think we're alone in this. I think it's why even when the idea of death, we think about that, and, and so we, we create fictional stories like Peter Pan, right, where it's this, this boy and his friends, and they find a way to avoid ever having to grow up, avoid ever having to die. Or if we look back through history, there were people like Ponce de Leon, who you may have heard, went for the search for the fountain of youth, and you know, the idea was he can find this fountain and live forever and avoid death. Um, maybe, maybe you heard, like I did many years ago, that Walt Disney was, uh, had himself cryogenically frozen when he died so that maybe one day that if, they, if medicine, if science was able to find a way to resuscitate him, that he could come back to life. And there was this rumor that maybe he was like, his body was hidden under the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Walt Disney. Uh, this is not true. He is, he is definitely not frozen somewhere. Um, we can laugh a little bit about this, but the truth is that even, even in our day and age, there are people who are trying to find ways to sort of avoid death or delay it anyway. Um, and I was reading this week about, uh, in, in a website called theweek.com, about a man named Peter Thiel, who you may know, and I believe he sold um, PayPal? Yeah, he sold PayPal and made his fortune this way. And he, you know, with all this money, he got together this group of people. And the conversation that they had basically was, um, maybe, maybe we could find a way to kind of outsmart death. In fact, the, the, the article says that the question they really were dealing with is, was death an inevitability, an inevitability, oh my gosh, was death an inevitability or a solvable problem? Is it? Is it something that we have to deal with, or is it a solvable problem? And they said, you know what, maybe we can't fix death, but, but maybe at least we could get everyone to live to like 150 years, right? We could, we could at least prolong people's lives. And so even today, we have people that are trying to find ways to avoid death, to kind of circumvent that. And again, we laugh a little bit, but in our own way, I think each of us, does this a little bit, right? Like if I'm honest, um, I have in my, in my bathroom at this moment an anti-aging cream. And I use this to avoid wrinkles, to avoid signs of looking older, even though I know full well that eventually that wrinkle cream is not going to do anything, right? Maybe, maybe for others, you know, it's like we try to, um, to dress younger. We try to, um, you know, we worry about our hair going gray, so we diet. And in all these ways, we're basically saying, I can avoid. I can avoid the signs of aging. I can sort of not have to think about the fact that I'm getting older. And I think even in the church, we, we sometimes maybe unintentionally perpetuate this idea that, that death 
is, is not going to happen for any of us, you know. And, and I, I say this carefully because I, I do believe in a God who heals and a God of miracles and a God who is so powerful. And I've seen people that are healed and I've seen people um, that, um, that come to God and find these answers in, uh, for prayer for what they're asking for. But really, there's, there's sometimes that I hear us praying and I hear in my heart a prayer for God to fix me, for God to heal something. And it's almost as though I don't believe that, that death is something that's going to happen for me. I'm like, well, surely God wouldn't want us to be sick and die. And yet the truth is that we, we know that we all will, will arrive there eventually. And so sometimes even in the church, we have this mindset of like, well, just, just pray and God's going to fix it. But we have to realize that, that death is a part of our lives. And death, I think, is something very painful, and I understand that we don't always want to go there and dwell on it. Um, but I think sometimes there's actually a peace that we cannot find until we sit with death for a little bit, until we dwell on that idea. Maybe a walk through the graveyard is something that we need to do more often, a little more regularly. And I find it fitting that I'm sharing this over Halloween because, um, you know, of all the holidays, there is no other holiday where you feel like death is just right in your face like it is with Halloween, right? It's not my favorite, I'll be honest. I do not like driving by and seeing, like, tombstones in everyone's yard and, like, the decapitated heads and all the, you know, or, like, the, the dog skeletons. Is that, a, is that, like, a trend this year? They're everywhere. I don't know that I remember seeing those before, but... I digress. Um, so it's sort of this holiday where it's kind of right in our face. Um, and I was interested to find out more about sort of the origins, the beginning of where did all this start? And so may, many of you may have looked this up as well. I know my daughter in middle school was, was learning about the origin of Halloween this week. And so it started with this ancient Celtic celebration of the Samhain, and it was kind of this belief that there was one night of the year that there was a thinning between the barrier of the living and the dead, between these two realms, if you will. And so spirits, they believed, would be able to pass through this barrier at, on this night, and they thought, okay, some of these, some of these spirits would be kind or, or, or happy, maybe loved ones, and then other spirits they believed were evil, were not good, and so they would dress up as kind of a way to ward off or protect themselves from, from those spirits. And this kind of evolved and it, you know, the idea merged with some other ideas. And at some point, Pope Gregory III declared November 1st as a day to honor all saints and made the evening before it um, to be Hallow's Eve. And then the, the, uh, in America here, if we were celebrating this. It was kind of this conglomeration of ideas. And then they kind of toned it down a little bit to prevent the vandalism and the other things that were happening. And they geared it towards kids. And now we have this kind of this holiday that we have today known as Halloween. And I think what's interesting is, and I know different people have different thoughts on Halloween and whether you want to celebrate or not, um, but I think the fascinating thing that maybe we can all relate to is this idea that, that we all are curious, like, what happens after we die? And we all have this desire, I think, especially, especially here, we have this desire to know God, to, to be connected to that spiritual world, and to be close to, to Jesus, and so I think in this sense, there's, there's this idea that we, we all can kind of relate to that idea. And especially this idea, it intrigues me, this idea of a thin space between spiritual worlds. And what's interesting is it actually makes me think of Jesus. Uh, because when Jesus came, when he uh, started his ministry, there's actually a, a point in his ministry where he tells people, um, rejoice because the kingdom of heaven has come near 
the kingdom of heaven has come near. And it's this idea that, that God has this kingdom, this, um, this spiritual kingdom. And he's saying that when he comes, he is actually bringing that spiritual kingdom right to us. And so we sometimes feel the separation between the physical world and the spiritual world. And God is saying that he was coming to, to reduce that barrier, to break down that barrier and actually bring the spiritual world, the spiritual kingdom to us, that we can live in that kingdom right here and right now. And God did that by sending his son Jesus to die for us. And there's actually this powerful imagery in the Old Testament of another way that, there, that we have this barrier between us and Jesus and how God breaks that down. Uh, so I know some of you were trying to read through the Old Testament or through the whole Bible this year, and I applaud those of you who are. Um, and if you have, in the Old Testament early on, you, there's a lot of references to the Israelites in the, in the wilderness, and they made this, um, God asked them to make this temple for him that they would actually, it was like a portable temple because they would carry it with them as they wandered in the wilderness. And in this temple, there was, um, there was like one space that was like a holy space, but then there was a curtain that divided this one space from the most holy space. Exodus 26, 33 says that this curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. And Leviticus 16, 22 says, uh, the Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover of the ark or else he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. And so this, like it sounds maybe a little archaic to us, but there was this physical barrier that you had to be a certain person and you had to be um, um, covered and um, you had to do a special ritual to even be able to enter into this most holy place to encounter God. And I think we often feel like this. We often feel maybe like there's this barrier that's keeping us from God and we just wish that there was something that could fix that, that could remove that barrier for us. And yet Jesus, when he came, that is precisely what he did Jesus came to remove that barrier because he knew we would not be allowed on the other side of that curtain. And so Jesus, in a beautiful way, came to our side of the curtain. He met us right where we are, right on our level. And he doesn't wait for us to come and be perfect. He doesn't, he doesn't ask us to have this some ritual of cleansing or to be a perfect person to meet with us. God meets us outside of our striving, outside of our trying to do perfection on our own. He meets us in our, in our broken state, in our messy, doubting, not perfect state. And he comes to us. And by coming to our side and by living a perfect life, he did what no priest could ever do. He created access for us to come to the Father and actually, the Bible says, Matthew 27, through 50 through 52 says this. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. This is when he's on the cross and he's dying. And so when he died, when he breathed his final breath, verse 51 says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. And the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Oh my goodness, this is like a crazy scene, really. And it almost reminds me of this Halloween idea, right? Like you've got, you've got bodies coming back to life. You've got two, the stones breaking open. 
and this curtain that symbolized the gap, the barrier between us and God that was produced by our sin or our brokenness. Jesus literally creates a situation where this is torn completely in two. And I love that this means that God then creates us an opportunity to have access to the Father. I want to read from Hebrews for a second. Hebrews 9, 24 through 28 says, For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. So he appeared for us and he, he stands for us in our place. Nor did he enter um, nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. And again, if you know the Old Testament, priests would have to offer sacrifices every day regularly for the sins of the people, but this verse is saying that those, those sacrifices were not enough. And yet Jesus came and was able to die one time. Verse 27 says, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting on him. I love this picture that God comes and, and he enters heaven and again he stands there on our behalf and completely removes the barrier for us. And Hebrews, uh, later in Hebrews we see um, the passage that says, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the faith we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And so I love that this is, God is, Jesus actually becomes for us a living curtain for us to go through and he completely changes our whole lives that way and so this week I'm talking about defying death because Jesus literally came in our place and defeated death and not just our physical death but then he also defeated the spiritual death the things that hold us down in chains he overcame that on the cross for us and that is such a beautiful promise. And that is why we hold on to this hope that Paul talks about later where he says, he says, we don't mourn. We don't mourn when people die as though we have no hope because we do have this strong and secure hope in this Jesus who went on our behalf and died for us in our place. This is the God that we celebrate and this is the God that we follow and yet, and yet, for many of you, maybe you're sitting here thinking, I hear this. I hear you, Carrie, and I know you're talking about this God who died for me and sacrificed for me so I could live, but I still feel like I'm walking around in death sometimes. I still feel like I'm walking around struggling, maybe. And, and maybe we, we know in our heads that we have access to the Father, but there are moments in our lives where we just don't feel his presence close to us. 
Sometimes we're living, as Reliant K says in their song, you know, they say, he says, what of the death that I still dwell in? What does God have to say about that? And, you know, I was struggling with this message and I was praying so much to God because I have encountered a lot of you this week who are living in these daily deaths. In fact, I would say that in some ways in my life, I'm walking in these daily deaths and I I see people who are dealing with mental illness or people that are struggling with anxiety or people um, that are just doubting or wondering where God is going to show up in their lives in the midst of unanswered prayers. Um, In fact, I I saw a post on Instagram this week by a popular uh, Christian organization, and they were saying how, you know, God doesn't want anything less than his best for us, and so sometimes he's going to close a door so he can open a better one. And maybe maybe that's true sometimes. I know God does have a good plan for us, but there was this woman that commented, and she said, man, I just wish I could have one day Longer than a day, maybe, where things would go okay, because I'm starting to lose faith. Because I'm starting to lose faith. And maybe you feel that way a little bit today. This idea that, that where, where are you, God? And we sing that your name is victory, but sometimes we wonder, where is your victory, God? And why can't I feel you? These are the graveyards that I think we walk in. If we think about it, there's probably all of us have had a moment or a season where we've walked through what feels like a graveyard in our own lives. And one thing I will say, um, because I I don't think that there's this easy answer or this easy fix for, for that way that we feel, but I will say that one beautiful thing about walking in the graveyard and being being in a place where we don't feel okay is that we kind of stop pretending, don't we? Like you can't walk in a graveyard. And, and put on a happy face and pretend everything's okay. When we are walking in a graveyard moment in our lives, we are painfully honest. And we get to the place where we're like, okay, I'm done, I'm done pretending. I'm done trying to, to look like the perfect Christian or do the perfect thing that I think I'm supposed to do to make God or other people happy. And we get to this place where we're just like, God, I'm not okay. And I, I want you to know that you're not alone. In fact, uh, I was reading about Mother Teresa this week, and I know many of you probably know this, but she felt so strongly that she heard from God. She clearly heard his voice telling her to go, to be a missionary, to serve the least of these. And so she went and she did that. But um, I read, and I, I want to finish reading actually her um, um, more of the story of her life this week, but she says that she went years and years and years where she did not feel close to God, where she could not feel his presence. And it was painful, and she didn't know what to do. And one, um, one story about her that I was reading uh, said that she felt like maybe, maybe that feeling she had of that distance from God was almost like one way that she could relate to how Jesus felt, that feeling of rejection, that feeling of maybe being being um, abandoned by God on the cross, or even the feeling of rejection that the people she served must feel in their lives, being outcasts. So I want you to know that you're not alone, that there, there was that many people, even people that we consider to be strong, strong people of faith that struggle to feel God sometimes. And I think it's so fitting, the enemy of our souls. We, we finished a series recently about lies that we believe, lies from the enemy. And How fitting is it that the enemy of our souls, if he cannot actually keep us separated from God, he wants to make us feel like we're separated from God, like God is not close to us, like God is not available, like somehow we're doing something wrong if we cannot feel him. 
And guys, I think that sometimes, at least in my life, sometimes this, um, this feeling like I can't, I can't hear God or I, I don't quite know why he doesn't feel present, sometimes I realize that it's making me long for God in a very new and powerful way. In fact, sometimes I think that God may be using those times in our lives to give us just a taste of the way that he longs for us. The way that God longs for us to, to, to be with him, to spend time with him. And I know that it doesn't fix everything, but sometimes we just have to honestly cry, cry out like the psalmist does in Psalm 13:1, where he says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And Psalm 63, 1 says, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. And sometimes, again, that the, the, the places in our life where we feel distant from God, it brings us to a place of thirst for him. It brings us to a place for hunger for him. And it brings us to a place where we no longer want to pretend. And God is definitely okay with us in that place, in that moment. He sees us and he longs to be with us. Um, I shared at a friend's funeral once this idea that, that sometimes the death and the broken things that we live in during our lives are reminders for us. You know, something in us feels like this is not how it's supposed to be, right? This is not really what we were made for. Even death does not feel like what we were made for because ultimately it isn't. Ultimately, God has designed us for life and full life and freedom. And we know that at some level, we will experience some of that here on earth, but we will, we will truly experience that one day with him in eternity. And there's that longing we have that, that as much as this life is wonderful, we're, we're not here. We're, we are citizens of heaven. And our hearts are longing for that place as well. Even in this wrestling, there is something about death, about confronting death, that actually brings us to this shift. And I think it actually helps us to lean into this thin space between heaven and earth and to really lean into God's heart. I was talking with my life group this week uh, or in the last couple of weeks about, you know, how do you hear from God? Do you hear God's voice and what does that look like for you? And if, if, if I'm honest, I think all of us had different answers and probably many of you have different answers. There are some people who may think, I don't know if I've ever really heard God's voice. There are some people who would say, oh, I feel God in, in nature. I feel God when I'm outside. That's where I, that's where I would um, experience his love or his joy or his faithfulness. And then for some of you, it's like, you know, during worship. And I know for me, when I come in here and just can tune everything else out and hear these words of praise, and it brings me sometimes to that place of feeling close to God. Um, and I would just encourage you this week, guys, um, if there is a place in your life that you feel God's presence, whatever that may look like for you, I would challenge you to take time this week to, to be with God in that place to go outside. Maybe for you, it's even like walk through a graveyard. Maybe you've never done that, but you're like, man, I think I just need to take some time. Walk with God, pray through a graveyard, get some perspective. I believe that God wants to meet with all of us and it's gonna be unique to each of us and to our lives. But look for those places where you feel God's presence, where you feel God's pleasure, where you feel God's goodness in your life. 
And maybe, honestly, for some of you, you are going through just a suffering or a wrestling period. And if I'm I'm honest, sometimes when I look back through my life, I can see how God walked with me through those difficult places. But when we're in the middle of it, it can be so hard. And yet God does not want us to pretend. And this is the whole idea I'm trying to get at today. I think a lot of times we think that we have to defy death by going around it by circumventing it somehow. And yet the message of Jesus is that he actually walked through death to defy it. He he died, he defeated death by dying himself on a cross. And he invites us to do the same. He invites us to defy death by dying to ourselves and following him and allowing him to live through us. But that also means that he doesn't want us to pretend. He He doesn't say defy death by by ignoring it or defy doubt by ignoring it or defy disappointment by ignoring it. No, God says he wants us to go through those things. In fact, I heard someone praying this past week and uh, they were kind of inviting everyone to to come to God and put aside distractions. But the way they worded it, they said, said, you know, kind of push aside those those negative feelings or emotions so we can experience God. And, And while I understand their heart, I believe that we follow a God who says, I'm gonna meet you through your difficult feeling your difficult emotion. I'm going to meet you precisely in that. I do not need you to pretend. And for those of you who feel far from God, I want to leave you with some promises. And I I say these, and I know that sometimes we're going to hear these promises and they're not going to feel close. They're not going to feel real somehow to us. And I would encourage you, if they don't feel real to you, then tell God. Say, God, you say this. Why am I not feeling that? God, God, it hurts because you say this but I want to feel that in my life. But one thing I know is that God is near and he repeats that over and over in our lives. In fact, Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Someone said that to me recently with something I was walking through. Maybe maybe you don't feel God right now, but maybe actually God is so close to you right now because you're going through this hard thing. And it was oddly comforting to me, even though I was still feeling far Acts 17, 27, that God says that um, he wants us to seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, though he is not far from any of us. He is near. Matthew 5, if you look through that chapter, Jesus shares this message um, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And again, the idea of when we're, when we're empty, when we're hungry, sometimes that's where we find God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus, again, defied death for us, not by going around it, but by going through it. And he invites us to do the same. And he invites you to come just as you are in whatever state you are in because he sees you and he loves you. And I just want to leave you with this promise. And again, even if we don't feel it in this moment, I think it's important for us still to stay, to state it and to know it and to let God show it up in our lives. So I want to end on this verse and this promise from God in Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, or, or danger, or sword. None of us wants to go through those things, right? He continues, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. We feel that daily death. 
what Jesus says or Paul says about God that he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God removed that barrier. There is nothing separating us from him. And so I just invite you to come as you are to him this morning, however that looks. God, I, um, I thank you again for who you are, that you are faithful, that you are the resurrected king that is resurrecting us even in the midst of our brokenness, as Kathy said. And God, my prayer today is specifically for those who are feeling far, who feel distant, who do not feel okay. And I ask God that as they are able to let down their guard and come to you honestly, God, that you would meet them. I pray that you would show up in the midst of the ashes and that you'd bring beauty in our lives. And we trust that even though we cannot produce anything on our own, God, that you are faithful and you are near to us. And we thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. Amen.